So I just wanted to comment very quickly what Claire was articulating about, um, you know, there's something about a message. Sometimes, well, we know as it Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs 25 too, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's the glory of kings, it's the glory of royalty to search it out. So if there is something about what we're talking about, you can absolutely come and talk to me. But what I would say is go on the journey with him and dig it out and find it because the more you have to dig, as everybody gets their coats back on again, appreciate it's freezing this morning, um, the more you have to dig, the more of value it'll be when you find it. So just keep going. So um, next week, um, Mr. Montgomery, Andrew's going to be speaking to us about putting on your dominion. So we'll look forward to that. Woohoo! We had one. Woo! I want to, as always, go through the recap and hopefully, and please hear me intensely, I'm trying to irritate you to the point that it's just in there. Okay, so bear with me. So in this putting off and putting on, we want to realize what we're wearing. Then we remove what we're wearing, which is where we find, my goodness, didn't realize it was hurting there. I've had that experience so many times. I was uh, thinking about it this morning. What, why do I do that? And when you take it off, really I did because I'm scared. Really when you root it back to everything else, it just you're a bit scared or something happened or you, you, you'd forgotten that actually as a child you went through this or actually last week, that thing that was said to you hurt you much more than you thought and you were acting out of it. And when you take it off, you see what's going on underneath. So we, we remove what we're wearing. Then we renew the spirit of our minds. We renew what's happening underneath. And then we redress spiritually with the appropriate clothes. And uh, Romans thirteen fourteen, rather than clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. It's a movement from the false comfort of the familiar through the discomfort of transition to being clothed in Christ. And we know that we have to be intentional about that. Is that not true? That this is not going to happen for us. God's not going to all of a sudden go, let me undress you and sort this for you. And, you know, come on, arms up, arms up. He might. But what I would say is that largely he doesn't because he has already done what he needed to do to let you do this. It's a process, it's a continual process, and it's the life of a disciple. So last week we looked at where to put your personality in the process. Did you get a hold of it? Did you look at yourself in the week gone past and think, my goodness, did I say, well, no, no, I cannot do this. And God's going, no, you can, come on, no, no, my personality does not facilitate this. I am this personality type. No, I'm an introvert, I could not be called to work with people. Did you find the places where you do that? Or where you say, no, I'm not that. You're that, I'm not that. I did uh, art at school and carried on to do a fine art degree at university. And the main thing that happened, you'll appreciate this, the main thing that happens is everybody says, oh, I couldn't do that. It's just what people say. You're drawing or you're painting or you're uh, doing some sort of lithograph or print or photograph and people go, oh, you're amazing at that. I could never do that. Well, tell me what you can do. Don't define yourself by what you're not. And I also mentioned that uh, the personality can become a false prophet. To unpack that, I said, if the lens of the personality prophesies your future to you and edits out what God will and won't do in you and through you and for you, it's become a false prophet. So don't let it have sway where it shouldn't have sway. And your personality cannot take you to your God-given destiny. Only yielding to the Spirit of God will get you to the destination, Jesus Christ. 
We looked at Peter, how in his immaturity he had unbridled passion um, and his uh, tongue, when he matured, became tempered, focused, self-controlled and interestingly, his passion increased. It just found the right avenues to go along. Then we looked at Gideon. Now Gideon was victim to his status. What are you doing, God? I'm the least of my clan. I'm the least of the least of the least. And God said, hello, mighty warrior. What now? And said, in the strength that you have, go and save this situation. Go and save yourself from these people that are attacking you. And he became the mightier warrior that God said that he was. He selected and he led an army to victory. And he was the one that was actually hiding, going, just let's stick my head in the sand, pretend that it's not there. So Gideon, even though when God called him was so, what are you talking about? In the end, he became who he was supposed to be. And as we follow God, we become who he says that we are. Our personalities become the wings that support our flight, not the navigator of our journey. God's given us who we are, like he's given us our body, like he's given us our voice, like he's given us every bit of ourselves. But they've got to be yielded and be in submission to the Spirit of God. Okay? Is it because we're all so cold? Everybody's just trying to huddle together. If you need to move around, I may try to move around and swing my arms to try and get blood where it's not currently going to. If you need to do that, then, then uh, feel free. The question for homework then I said was, where have you allowed your personality to define and restrict you? Um, can we do the, the hands of shame? Did anybody do that this week? A few? Great stuff. Keep going with that. If you haven't got an answer, keep going and keep asking. Okay, so today, interestingly, we're talking about atmosphere. Oh, we're talking about the atmosphere of change. I was penning this, and it said, we've all had the winter mornings when it's so cold that you need to, you, you need to get changed and ready for the day ahead, but you do not either want to get out of bed or out of your pajamas or get into the shower, whatever it is. I don't know whether you can identify with that this morning. Anybody? Which part of your body is actually warm? Or when you're in the shower, it starts off hot, it gets cold, or it's just a beautiful warm shower, and you know that the heating is not on in the bathroom. You know that there's going to be that moment where everybody off the plane from Tenerife gets out in Belfast, goes, <laughs> we've all been there, all of us have had it. The environment for change is not one that is bitterly, bitterly cold. If I said to you, you're going to need to go into the store there and, and get yourself changed right now. Hmm, how many people are up for that? Oh, me, please let me experience the brutality of the coldness that is in this room right now. Anyone up for that? No. So what's the best environment for spirits of change? And what I mean by environment? Well, like the physical environment for change, and um, when you go into a clothes shop, you don't go in and they say, okay, if you'd like to walk into that fridge there, I'm afraid there's no way to cover you. You're going to have to strip down in front of everybody. And uh, there's no lighting either and there's no mirror. Okay? That's how you're going to try on this item of clothing. That work for you? That'd be good? Yes, that's what you're all looking for? We're not even... Come on, somebody speak. It needs to be warm, not cold. It needs to be secure. We've all gone into the changing rooms with those dodgy-looking locks. Yes? You go in, you think, this lock does not look like it's going to hide anything that I'm going to expose here right now. I want to go into a changing room. I want it to be a secure lock. I want the curtains to meet. Don't want there to be a wee hole in the door or something like that. No, we don't want that. You want to be safe and secure with no fear of being exposed. You want there to be a mirror. 
Maybe you don't. But you want there to be a mirror, typically full length, so that you can see yourself clearly and see yourself as you are. You want there to be good lighting, don't you? So that you can actually see. And you want also the support of those who are serving you. You know when you go to Primark, maybe you don't shop in Primark, but when you go to Primark and you pick 83 items that you'd like to take into the changing room and you really think, I don't want to fold any of these, nor do I want to put them back. So you just give them to those that are there to serve so that they can put them away. It's a beautiful thing. I still, whenever I unpack a T-shirt, think that I really should put it back together. And Claire said to me, but sure, that's what these people are here for. And I'm thinking, no, I don't know about that. Work in a shop where I have to put things back, don't like it. So there has to be the right environment for change. But I want to put a warning in first. We cannot change others. Although to be fair, we do try. God is the only one that can change. We are not called to manipulate, control, force anyone to change. The only type of control that God talks about in the Bible is self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. You can see it in Galatians 5, to 23. We cannot change anyone, but we can create the best environment for change, which is love. So if you've been desperately wanting someone in your life, often your spouse, to change, change your tack. Die to that. I want them to change this and just start loving them. Love them. Let go of your agenda to change them. Control yourself, your words, your thoughts, your actions, and love them. Let me read from Ephesians 5, 22 to 28. Wives, submit to your, yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Okay, here a lot of people balk against that. I'm not submitting to anybody. I shouldn't have to submit to that man. Okay, pause and let's read the next bit. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And what did Jesus do for the church? He died. I was at a a marriage ceremony one time, and the minister said, marriage is the closest thing to human sacrifice you're ever going to find. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. When you look at a husband and look at the wife, you can tell how good a husband he is by how the wife looks. Because if he is loving her well, if he is dying for her, it's going to show. There is an environment that best supports change, and that environment is love. Love is willing to die to itself for another so that the other might become completely itself. And I will follow leadership that is going to die for me. You may say, I, you know, that whole submitting thing, I don't like that. It's easy to submit to someone who's willing to die for you. Love is willing to die to itself for another so that the other might become completely itself. Love, love changes everything. Okay, I'll stop. Do you know that song? Love changes everything, including the one who is manifesting the love that is expressed. You want to become yourself 
love. The process of loving another causes us to become who we really are. Let me read Isaiah 58, 68. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. The process of loving another causes us to become who we really are. You cannot give or receive love without being changed. And the atmosphere of change, as I've kept saying, is love. Can I berate you with some more verses? I was asked during the week uh, for the verses that I used last week. So you can take these down if you're fast. This is 1 John 4, 7-9. Beloved, let us love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God's love was revealed among us. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. John 3.16. Are we all familiar with that one? For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world. This is the Amplified Version. That he even gave his one and only, his only begotten son. So that whoever believes and trusts in him as savior shall not perish but have eternal life. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 1 to 8, love is patient, love is kind. If you're in the middle of an argument or a disagreement with somebody, you get this one into your head and you start going through it. Love is patient. At that point, normally we're done. That thing that seemed so big, put it through the filter of what God says about what love is. Love is patient, love is kind doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it isn't rude, it isn't proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. So I haven't used this for a while, but most of you know my story. So I was pretty miserable, about 19, maybe 20, I think it was about 19, driving along in the M5 to Carrickfergus, and the car fills up with this most unbelievable love, and I am utterly busted. <laughs> Snot bubbles, I remember the, the rain was bouncing off the windows, I could barely see, but I couldn't see because I was weeping so much. And in my little brain, I reasoned, if this is God, and if he loves me like this, how could I not follow him? I am changed, and I'm changing because I am loved. I've walked a journey with God because I'm deeply, specifically, and intimately. Have you got that one yet? Deeply, specifically, and intimately known and loved by God. If you hear about the love of God, and you default to, yeah, the love of God, it's just the love of God, he just loves us, it's generic, you've missed it. He loves you, Claire Porter. He loves you. He loves you, Hilary Ann, formerly known as Bowl. He loves you. He loves you, Helen. Just because I haven't singled you out doesn't mean that you get away with, he didn't single me out, he doesn't love me. He loves you. He loves everything about you. How he made you, how you do things, how you say things, how you relate to others, how you go after stuff. How so much compassion that you have, the freedom that you're after. He loves you. If you're just putting it into some boxes, I'm just loved, you don't know him. Let him gush over you. 
He's sopping in his love. You need to be ruined by his love. Till you know that you're loved, you're not going to change a thing. The only thing that will motivate you to change is accusation, fear, manipulation, and guilt. And it won't change a thing other than change it for the worst. You need to know that he is not forcing you to do anything. He is giving you the choice to choose him. He's calling you up to who you are. He's not calling you down to the limitation of your past and how you thought it was and how you thought that it was going to end up being. He's calling you on because that's who you are. He places within you the desire for the thing that you didn't want before. Philippians 2.13 For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. His love has embraced me and shown me who I am. His love has given me the security I needed to let him and others see my stuff that I wanted to keep hidden. Romans 2, 4, God's kindness leads you to repentance. That is to change your inner self, your old way of thinking, to seek his purpose for your life. Cruelty merely contorts and seeks to control us. It's kindness that leads to transformation. When God comes or whenever I have a a thing that I need to deal with and I'm going, God, what do you want from me? He'll go, well, what would you like for yourself? I don't know what to do when he says that. I often go, well, I don't know what I want for myself. And he goes, case in point. Well, I just want to do what the Lord wants for me. Really, sometimes when we say that, what we want to be is a robot. And we're not robots. He is giving you yourself back so that you can choose. You can choose. I remember when uh, I uh, met Claire and uh, I thought, well, I'd met her before this, but it seemed like it was maybe opportune time. I could say, do you want to go on a date? Do you want to come out? Actually, what I did was said, I'm offering you my hand. I know, stop it, it was beautiful. Um, but when it came to the point where I was thinking about all that stuff, I was talking to God and going, is this all right with you? And he said, who would you like to be with? And I went, I'd love to be with her. So I could say, well, God told me that I should be with you. I told, he told me that I should be with you. I could beat her over the head with that, but I can't because I chose her. So what do you choose? What are you going to take responsibility for? In the presence of knowing that you're loved, there are wrong decisions. He's not going to beat you over the head for that. You get to choose. It's all being his love. Accusation could never do it. Guilt never produced good results. Religion just gave me a uniform. And pointed and said, your tie's not quite right there. You missed that button. Have you uh, polished those shoes for a while? What about that straight line down those trousers? We, if you're part of us, you have to have a straight line down your trousers. God won't love you unless you jump through this hoop. No, he just loves you. If you did nothing else ever again, you would not change the fact that he absolutely adores you and is enthralled by you. And for some reason, this is the hardest thing to hear. We're not gaining brownie points when we choose to do what he wants for us. We're just becoming more of who we are. Remember Les Miserables? Jean Valjean? Jean Valjean? Je peux parler un peu de français? 
Do you remember when he went into the bishop's house and he stole the candle? How many people know the Les Miserables story? No, you don't? Okay. So in the story of Les Miserables, there's this real vagabond, really, called Jean Valjean. And he ends up in this bishop's house. And really what he's done, I think he was in prison before that. They can tell how much I know this story. But anyway, he um, stole the candlesticks from, not the candlesticks, the silverware from the bishop. Um, And then actually in the film I was watching, he struck him. And then left. And then the bishop's out in the garden. And in the scene I saw, the lady who's the housemaid's going, what are we going to do with no silverware? And he says, that's enough, woman. We'll just use wooden spoons or something like that. And the law, as in the police, the law comes and brings Jean Valjean back. And they say, we find this in his bag. And the bishop stops hoeing and says, Jean Valjean, I'm very angry with you. I told you to take the candlesticks as well. And he says, the bishop says to the law, uncuff that man. He's not a criminal. And he turns to him and he says, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I've ransomed you from fear and hatred and I give you back to God. What the law could never accomplish, grace did. We so often are flirting with the law. Is that all right with you, God? Is that okay? I've been a good boy today. Are you pleased with me today? Grace is cool. I love you anyway, son. Just love you. Until you appreciate that you're not going to change how he feels about you by your actions, you're going to act in performance to do what you think he wants you to do. You don't have to perform for him. You're not a monkey. You can stick a seed, okay, this is the gardening one. You can stick a seed into the best soil at the right depth with the right amount of light, but until you have warmth, you will not have germination. Love is the best environment for change. We want to be a community known for his love, and I think that we're getting there. There's definite sprouts of it, and we're getting there, but we want to pay the price to become a community known for his love. We have a biblical model for that. Acts 2, 42 to 47. It's called the Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can I ask, and I know that for some of you this has been your experience, but have you discovered that since coming here all of your stuff's come to the surface? (laughs) Stuff that you didn't even know that you had? Uh What's more bizarre is that you've started to have a desire to sort it out. We've got one Lone Ranger there shouting that one. You don't like being here. There's one particular individual, for those of you online, you don't know who I'm pointing at, but there's one particular individual that I go, how are we doing today? And she says, I hate you. And I go, that's all right with me. You hate it, but you keep on coming. What's that all about? Well, it's God bringing you home to himself with his people to take off you what you should not have on you to reveal who he is in you. Let me say that again. It's God bringing you home to himself. Am I saying that DCB is his only home? Not at all. 
He's bringing you home to himself with his people to take off you what you should not have on you to reveal who he is in you. God's here. What do we have if he's not? We're just a social club. We may as well get a uniform and have numbers on our back and say, you've got to jump about this way. If we don't have him, what on earth do we have? His love grants you a choice. He does not accuse you or manipulate you. He is who he is and he gives you back yourself. And one of the scariest things about God is that if he comes to you and says, would you like to do this with me? And you say, no, thank you very much. He will say, that's okay. I don't want to do that to him. There's moments where I've said to Isaac, would you like to come and sit beside me? Or Anna, would you like to come and sit beside me? And they go, no, I don't want to. And I'm like, it's okay. But the father's heart always wants his children beside him. Always, 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 always. So when he comes to you and says, come on, would you like to do this with me? And then what's the religious thing we do? That was amazing what you did. I was all the Lord. So it was, well, I didn't see him appear in the middle of it. I kind of saw you standing up there doing a thing. No, it was the Lord. No, this is a partnership. You get to partner with him. It seems like we find our home here and then we fall apart. Remember that we're part of the topsy-turvy kingdom. Those who ever are first or last, we die to live. So when we fall apart, actually we're being pieced together. We get changed in the atmosphere of love. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears has not been made perfect in love. 1 John 4, 18. And 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Perfect love drives out fear because fear cannot coexist with love. Fear is exposed from its, from its hiddenness and is violently ejected by love. Anna, my daughter Anna, since she was no age, has loved creepy crawlies. And when I remember when she was about two or three, she found a baby snail. And just let it crawl across her hand. She's like, Daddy, look. And I'm like, mm, you want to put that away, love? Look, Daddy, it really tickles. Put it on your hand. No, love, you're all right. Thanks very much. So we, when we moved house, inherited like this dry stone wall. So last summer, Anna went out and Isaac was with her and he was getting caught up in it all. And they started to turn all of the rocks over. What do you find when you turn rocks over? Creepy crawlies. And whenever you find the creepy crawlies, they don't want to be found and they scuttle away off. They scarper because their domain is darkness and they don't like the light. They want to be hidden. Love turns over the stones that have weighed you down and exposes the critters that have taken up habitation underneath the stones. Under the weight of the experiences that you've had and it drives them out and all it takes is a bit of light. It repurposes the stones from supporting the darkness to building them in a structure that supports the light. Let him come and turn over the stones. I've said to him, don't leave any stone unturned. I have at moments regretted that. And then once I've got through the difficult bit, really pleased that I prayed that prayer. But let me encourage you, let him turn over all those stones. That stuff that weighs you down, let him, let him show you the stuff that's underneath. All it takes is a bit of light and love to drive out the fear. What lives in darkness needs somewhere to hide. But what is of light seeks habitation, not hiddenness. So we can get changed in the atmosphere of love. It's warm 
because God's there. It's secure, it's safe, there's no fear of being exposed, there's no dodgy locks. It's the perfect environment to be transparent because God's there. Could I get you guys to come up? There's a mirror present to see ourselves clearly, to let us see ourselves as we are and not be afraid because we're warm and secure, because God is there. There's good lighting because God is there. Those that are there to support us, to serve us, God is the one that is present in them. In the prayer meeting beforehand, Mark uh, was prophesying, and what he said was, it's all me. God was saying, it's all me. Everything that you love, it's all me. It's all about me. Everything is about him. He is the environment that we need to get changed in, and he is love. So could I ask you to stand with me? So as always... We've got some questions to help you to consider to respond. I want to really encourage you to respond this morning. This is a blanket one. Um, and I really hope that this morning it has helped you realize that this is all about him. If you're finding, as I was saying, in this place that all of your stuff's coming to the surface, it comes to the surface so it can be taken away. Because he loves you and he doesn't want to leave you in the, the condition that you're in. So do you want to change? Have you tried so hard before but have never been able to? Or are you afraid of being exposed? Are you trying to pull the curtains together and lock the door and just you don't want to show who it is underneath either because you don't think you've got anything of any worth or because you've got some shame attached to poor decisions or things that happened to you in your past or in your present? Or have you come to DCB and you're starting to feel like you're falling apart? If you can answer yes to any of these questions or you just want to respond for ministry, then come and join me now at the front. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you whenever we're talking about your love. Your love is so obviously here. We ask that the uh, presence of your love would be disproportionate to the coldness of the room. Let this be a kingdom experience of the warmth of his presence. If you can receive that, that's on like Donkey Kong. Come Holy Spirit, bring the warmth of your love here this morning. In the presence of such bitter coldness, bring the warmth of your love to your people this morning. Come Holy Spirit.